0: Uh, So the first reading is Matthew 1, 20 to 23. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the second reading is Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's pray. Lord, please open our ears and speak to us now, not just to build us up, but for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, has Christmas lost its power to shock? This idea of God with us, in flesh, in a manger, pretty startling. What does it mean to call Jesus Emmanuel? Hebrews 1 has a a creed, really, a short summary of what Christians believe, the divine nature and activity, God incarnate who became man, real flesh, real blood, living and dying with, speaking with, with men and women of the time, and he reminds his readers who are wavering in their faith that Jesus is who Jesus is and what he's done. Matthew's last chapter says, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Hebrews' last chapter says, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, what can man do to me? Jesus with them to help in his lifetime, earthly lifetime, and after that, in those of his followers, and ours Jesus with all believers speaking to them and believers since speaking to us I hope now and in the now Jesus is with all humans who will listen to him and believe Matthew tells the story of Jersey a just man who discovers almost too late that his fiancée is pregnant. Nothing to do with him, and he wants nothing to do with her. He's minded, almost decided, to cast her off, to dump her. He doesn't then know who this baby is and what he will be and do. An angel appears. Angels are not cuddly. Angels are frightening, always in Scripture. This angel explains why and how Mary became pregnant, somewhat unusually, and instructs Joseph to marry her, bring the child up, and call him by the name Jesus, Savior, tells him that Jesus will save his people, God's people, not just from separation in life, life under the Romans in control of the promised land but also from the consequences of their sins and separation in eternity from God and that men will call him God with us. Joseph hadn't heard in the full sense of, of hearing and understanding and accepting uh, the faith of, in the prophecies of Isaiah and others which Hebrews writes about and the angel quotes to him one from Isaiah. Joseph is a just man he has to choose between justice and relationship and he goes for relationship marries Mary believes her and God and does what he was told to do what a bloke the prophecies of Isaiah the sign of the virgin birth and the name Emmanuel and in the later chapter 8 where God shows the other side of that relationship because relationship is two-way and the other side is that he calls the people Emmanuel saying that the people will be known as God with us two-way thing relationship the situation at the time was a bad time the people of Israel had made an alliance with the enemy Syria in order to make war on the people of God, Judah. Just think about that for a minute. That, that is a, a pretty horrific prospect, civil war amongst the people of God. Judah too had ceased to trust in God and had asked for protection from of all places Assyria shortly to be their enemy and to take them into captivity and God reveals that he's Called Assyria in order to put Israel into exile to make a separation between him and his people to destroy Judah up to the neck I think above the neck is probably the story of Hezekiah but that's not for today. God is in control and yet in Christ is highly vulnerable, both unborn, vulnerable to Joseph's decision, and born vulnerable to Herod's attack, despite faithful, believing parents. So what? What does it mean today, God with us? Is life a party with him? Has he decided to live as a man just to find out what it's like? like the prince in Shakespeare's *Measure for Measure, who decides to go undercover amongst his people to see what life is like under the person that he's appointed. Um, And who does so and finds, unsurprisingly, uh, hypocrites, uh, corruption, injustice, enslavement amongst uh, the governor. Uh, Until he finishes that little holiday and then goes back and takes over and changes things around. No, he knows everything anyway. God knows everything. He's planned this from before the foundation of the earth. It doesn't come as a surprise to him to know that we're awful, horrid, and beastly and we can fight each other. It doesn't, it's not a shock. He's planned it. And he's been there all the time. But what is so awful about sin that it needs this extraordinary remedy this is in the time of king ahaz who has rejected god and this is what isaiah in isaiah 59 has to say about that he says behold the lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save but your sins have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he cannot hear. Perhaps I should speak up, but that is is pretty chilling. The New Testament answer in much the same terms is he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. Now I can hear the intake of breath, don't panic, at the time, sons um, meant (laughs) those who were about to be adopted. It means every person, it doesn't just mean males. It means inheritors. And the rest of that chapter, Isaiah 59, is both the most ghastly and the most wonderful Of chapters. You you could almost see the entire Old Testament encapsulated in that one chapter. So task one, read Isaiah 59. Task two, read Hebrews 8, 9, and 10 (laughs) and see the answer. Sometimes man refuses to do what God wants and requires, doesn't trust him. Sometimes, like King Ahaz, forsakes God, turns his back. In Isaiah 5, the house of Israel is described as a vineyard and the people as his pleasant planting. But it also says that God looked for justice, but behold bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold an outcry. Civil war amongst God's people. God had been present with them on all their journey from Egypt, bringing them out, apparent, present as a blazing fire, in front of them and a pillar of cloud behind them, by day lighting their way and enabling them to move at night and by, sorry, by night doing that, and by by day protecting them by this cloud of darkness behind so the Egyptians couldn't see where they were, follow and destroy them. But they didn't stay with him. They wouldn't enter the peace of his promised land. They wanted to return to slavery. In Ahaz's day, the people of God turned back from following him, not realizing that it would mean another exile, another separation, another slavery in Babylon and initially in Assyria for Israel and Babylon for Judah. So that's what God with the people looked like in the Old Testament. God present and the people rejecting. Not all of them. The prophets came with their word and their encouragement and their promises. What did it look like in the New Testament? Well, three men on three crosses. One in the middle f- nailed as firmly with them in time and place with them as could possibly be. None of them going anywhere. Why? Well, for two of them, for rebellion and rising against Rome, and if they were arrested with a barabbas for murder. The other, by his own choice. He said that he came to die and to give his life a ransom for many. With them, with them, in life and in a slow, excruciating death knowing all about them, how awful they and the rest of us were as they mocked him and abused him as they were dying, as if it was his fault, with a sign over his head, King of the Jews. And then one of them changed. He repented, changed his way, you might say, turned his life around. In a simple act of confession, he says to the other one, he rebuked the other one. He said, stop. Bear in mind that air to speak is not easy in that position. It's precious. And he uses his breath to say to the other uh, terrorist that he knew that they both deserved to die. But Jesus did not he'd done nothing wrong with them Emmanuel Hebrews explains this in chapters 8 9 and 10 so the once and for all sacrifice fulfilling all other sacrifices empowering them and then this man close to death very close just a matter of hours says Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom he finds enough faith to recognize a king when he sees one and a kingdom that lasts beyond that day lasts into eternity and to ask for mercy well that's how we come to God isn't it really we repent we recognize and we ask for mercy. And that's what God with us looked like then, on an afternoon outside Jerusalem, about three o'clock, time of the afternoon sacrifice. Injustice, taking on himself the separation that Isaiah talks about, the sin in order to remove it and close that separation to bring about in his grace and mercy the restoration of the relationship between God and human beings and the answer is a promise truly I say to you this day you will be with me in paradise with me in paradise Emmanuel God with us in eternity having sat down On high, job done, while upholding all things by the word of his power, job ongoing. John, in his gospel, chapters 14, 15, and 16, explains that Emmanuel with us is more than just over there, or even close by. He describes this possible relationship with the God of heaven in the most extraordinary, extraordinary way by saying that God actually desires to be in us and that this is possible. The God who appeared protected by the wood of a manger died fixed to the wood of a cross now wants to abide with us and tells us to abide with him, not just living amongst his people in the temple, but within. What does abide mean? Dwell, make your home, live securely. Abide in me and I in you. How on earth can this begin? Well, the dying terrorist had nothing to offer, did he? Nothing. He couldn't make a promise. He couldn't say he'd live a wonderful life. If he was let off. He couldn't, couldn't do anything except admit his sin and his need and ask for mercy. But he had the courage and the faith to see Jesus as king and to surrender to him. And his love for Jesus had suddenly appeared at that moment. He'd been abusing him, but that suddenly... He tells the other one to stop. He's come in that moment somehow uh, to have compassion, love for Jesus in what's happening to him and to tell the other rebel to stop tormenting him. Hopefully we may have a little more time on earth to share in the kingdom of God than he had. But even at that last minute, Jesus was waiting and knocking, as it were, on his door, just as he's knocking on the doors of our lives and everybody else's lives now. Would you pray with me for a minute? Lord, please open wider our eyes and ears, and the ears of those whom we bring to you now. As we seek to call out to, to share in the kingdom those who might have wandered off those around us that we haven't even noticed we pray Lord that you will bring them back to you, restore faith in them, and Lord may your will, um, your love, your joy, your wisdom, your power, your peace, your hope, your forgiveness, your mercy, and your presence live in them and overflow for your kingdom, for your glory, amen.